Hi, friends. You're tuned in to Legal Means Business, a podcast by Leeway. We are joined by some amazing guests who help us identify how to take your legal function and career to the next level. I'm your host, Steph Smith, and we're talking all things legal ops and legal tech, as well as other critical skills needed to help you thrive in the evolving in-house arena. Don't forget, you can watch us on YouTube or listen on the go through Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy the conversation, please do hit subscribe and let us know what you think on social. The other thing I, I like to do, and I've been kind of doing this more of the last year or two, is anytime I kind of ask somebody on the team either to 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 do something like a, a different kind of work, maybe that they haven't done before, mm-hmm. um, or ask or ask for their feedback on something, um, like how do you think? What would you think if we did this? Or or how did you think about this presentation that we did? I I before I make the request. I say something to the effect of, I'm going to ask you something. This is always true, but I'm saying it for emphasis. I want your honest, honest thoughts. There's no wrong answer whatsoever. This is how I learn, kind of really go into a long lead in knowing. I, this is about me learning and figuring out how best I can help you and, and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And then I make the request. In this day and age, I think we can all appreciate the value of great leadership. And yet leadership isn't usually taught in law school. In fact, most leaders in the world of legal have stumbled upon the opportunity and it's often a big learning curve. So why should in-house legal folks care about leadership? And what are the guiding principles to become a great leader? This is what we're exploring in this episode with Sean Sethna. Sean is Deputy GC at real estate marketplace Altisource. And for the past 10 years, he's been a senior legal executive for tech companies. And he also ensures that coaching and mentoring are top priorities for his team. So without further ado, let's hear from Sean on how to become a great legal leader. Hello, Sean. How are you doing? Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Doing well, Steph. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Oh, no, it's a delight. I've seen lots of your content on LinkedIn, so it's a... very exciting to to be speaking to you in person as well. Well, as in person as we can be at the moment. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yes. Well, we have an exciting topic uh, to be talking about today, all around kind of leadership um, and how that can benefit your career and those that you're leading as well. And I think it's such an important topic because I think there's a lot of unsung benefits of great leadership for both the people being led, but but also uh, for the leaders themselves. So I guess to set the scene, it'd be great to understand how you personally define leadership and what it means to you. Okay. No, I think that's a fantastic question. And and yes, it's definitely a topic that I I love talking about. Um, kind of mentoring and managing a team is by far the, the favorite part of my job. And it's been really rewarding for me. What I would, what I think about in terms of leadership is really motivation and trust motivation trust and development let's say creating an environment where where people that you're leading feel completely comfortable sharing sharing their thoughts with you their thoughts their fears their concerns their true feelings 
uh, that that's how I know if or not uh, I'm succeeding. If things are catching me by surprise, if I thought somebody was really happy and then all of a sudden they leave the organization, that's, you know, that of course happens and I don't take it overly personally, but it, mm-hmm. but it's a good reminder to me, okay, I'm not as, I'm not as connected. People aren't feeling quite as, as open as I thought. But when I go through periods of time where, where that doesn't happen and it seems like everybody is comfortable when they're sharing their concerns with me, that, that makes me really happy and makes me feel like I've, I've really earned their, earned their trust. Um, the, the other part I would say is really caring about the, the development of, of other people. Mm-hmm. And that, that's something that, yeah, it, it's when, when I'm thinking about it from the employee side, not the leadership side, you know, I've, I've had managers in the past that, that I felt were really invested in my career. I should say past and current in case my current boss is, is listening. Yes. Um, uh, he's absolutely vested in my development, asks me, you know, what am I interested in, kind of pushes me, challenges me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can, I can see that. I get a feeling that, yeah, they actually care if I am happy and if I am, you know, being challenged and enjoying the kind of work that I do. Conversely, you know, I've had managers in the past where they probably thought I was a good employee. They liked working with me, but but it felt more transactional in yeah. terms of, I just want you to do a good job on this. And then if we're not working together on something kind of out of sight, out of mind, mm-hmm. and then the next time they're working with me, yes, they will still give me feedback, try to get me better, but it feels more self-serving to, to them. And that's yeah. not necessarily bad, but it doesn't give me the same kind of feeling um, on the on the other type. Yeah, I think self-serving is probably quite a, a good way to describe that alternative approach there. Yeah, and certainly not um, perhaps as fueling as other styles may be. Um, but no, that, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure we've all experienced different uh, styles for sure. Do you make a distinction between a manager and a leader? And if so, how do you how do you perceive those? Yeah, I guess. <sighs> I, I guess I do. And maybe in, in my head, when I think about it, I, I kind of combine manager and boss into into one and kind of use those interchangeably mm-hmm. and then leader um, as something else. And I think leadership is kind of that distinction of somebody who really not just wants you to do well because it helps them, but really is vested in your success, wants to see you grow, wants to see you grow to the point where you even leave the organization to do amazing things after the fact. That to me is is a leader, somebody who kind of creates that intrinsic motivation in in the team rather than just kind of motivating them by either fear or discrete rewards or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's not to say, look, I don't want to think that I'm I'm bashing the the kind of managers who who go that that other route. I think that that's absolutely fine. And you can be phenomenally successful. You can develop people who turn into very strong employees. But in my mind, that doesn't feel quite like leadership that's more that's maybe good and effective management but not quite leadership yeah I think that is a a good and important distinction it's they're almost two separate roles aren't they because I mean I'm of the opinion that you can have leaders in a team who aren't technically in a leadership position um I don't know if you agree with that or not 
No, I completely agree. And actually, there there are people over my career that 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 come to mind on that. That there there are people, you know, I've I've in the last couple of years, I've managed a, a rather large team with just two direct reports and a lot of indirect reports. And and in the multiple times, I've seen people from that indirect report set, you know, just be there as a as a sounding board to help other people who are, you know, kind of technically peers, maybe they've been doing it a little bit longer, but but at the same level. Mm-hmm. And and they just win over the trust of of people so quickly. And and they really, really, I do think take a, a leadership role. They are vested in the development. They're so happy when other people get promoted. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, it's really wonderful to see. And, and do you think those people is there something about them? Is it kind of, as you say, like intrinsic? Can, can anybody be a leader or does it require a, a certain a certain traits or qualities? Yeah, I, I think if you if you adopt my my definition of leader, then, then I think it does require some certain traits or qualities. Not saying that they have to be intrinsic and they can mm-hmm. never be learned. Of course, mm-hmm. they can be learned and yeah, practiced and great point. But I think, you know, you, you have to kind of either enjoy or seem like you enjoy teaching you you have to kind of be be really empathetic really try to understand what people's concerns are uh, make them feel feel safe coming to you with with their concerns so you can really try to help them help them solve it and then the last part i i don't know if this can be taught but what we were talking about before is the you know the true true happiness for somebody else's success maybe that maybe that gets learned naturally through through maturity mm-hmm. um i out you can kind of take classes on on how to get better at doing that yeah um but, but maybe you can I don't know but uh, but I think that part that part is is definitely important and that seems like the least likely part that you could actually learn or, or train for. yeah um, so I definitely think those those qualities are all all important yeah yeah I completely agree and I think on the the point that you said last there it's maybe not so much a thing that you need to learn but perhaps maybe a thing we need to unlearn I guess we have um you know I think generally human beings uh you know we're built for generosity but I guess we've kind of been shaped by various things to be more competitive and take a more selfish approach um to certain things uh, which has just become a habit so perhaps it's more of a an unlearning maybe I think that's a fantastic point. I didn't think about that, but I think you're absolutely right. And maybe it's unlearning because you saw you saw what that felt like to you in some situation and then you realize, "Huh, this mm-hmm. is what I've been doing to other people. I don't want to do that anymore. Let me let me try to be better." Um so yeah, I think you're I think you're absolutely right about that. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, they're all fantastic points. And if somebody is taking on a leadership role, or if we're thinking about in-house uh, legal professionals or in-house lawyers generally, why is taking on a leadership role good for them? What? Why should they care? So, so the number one reason I would say, and let's let's completely draw the distinction between leadership and management. They can sometimes go hand in hand, but not necessarily. So mm-hmm. Let's just focus on leadership. Yeah. To me, the number one thing that I have seen is the tremendous confidence it builds in people once they start taking that leadership role. Um, again, thinking back to to past kind of people that, that I've worked with, I've seen people who seem very, very 
kind of withdrawn, shy, maybe lacking in confidence, or at least the appearance of confidence, full of full of self-doubt. And then all it takes is seeing somebody else come come beside them, maybe even just three months behind where, where they were, and mm-hmm. realize they have a lot of value to add, that they can provide some coaching, and just seeing kind of how good that feels to them to mm-hmm. see, hey, yes, I do know what I'm talking about. I can provide a lot of value, and then kind of get positive feedback on that leadership. And then I've seen them have so much confidence and not just confidence with um, other people in the team, but confidence with clients, with with counterparties during negotiation. Yeah. I, I've just witnessed this transformation multiple times mm-hmm. and and it's and it's really fantastic yeah. and it really helps helps your career in many ways. Yeah. It kind of ingrains the the fact that no, you are actually an expert or a specialist in whatever right. it is that you're doing, I suppose, which yeah, I can right. imagine for sure that brings a lot of confidence. Or even if you even if you don't get to that point, like even if you feel, yeah, I'm not an expert. There are people who know more than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, it at least lets you feel, okay, even though there are a lot of people who know more than I do, I still have a lot of value to bring yeah. um, for the knowledge that I have. And I shouldn't ever doubt the experience that I have, shouldn't ever doubt that it has value. Um, and and that can, that can really be very motivating and, and confidence building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Actually, we had a great in-house lawyer uh, on the podcast recently talking about imposter syndrome, and one of the one of the f- things that she was doing that's been helping her manage it, I would say, was to actually kind of look after the the kind of more junior staff, whether it be interns mm-hmm. or other more junior staff. And again, I think like what you're saying, it's giving that sense of oh no, I really do have a lot of value to offer regardless of what stage or what level or how old or anything like that that you are so yeah no I think that's a a brilliant point for sure and if someone's just starting out in a leadership role or they want to take a step up and kind of fill those boots what steps do they need to take to get into a position where they're successfully leading an in-house legal team so I would say you know let, let's skip over the kind of the obvious stuff or really just gloss over that that obvious stuff of, you know, what we just talked about. Make sure you you understand kind of is is this right for you? Are you the type of person to be motivated by by seeing another success and things like that? Mm-hmm. Let's assume that that is the case. If that is the case for me, kind of the number one thing is is trust and how to build trust and how are you going to create this environment where people feel absolutely comfortable kind of coming to you with their with their feelings, with their concerns, with their challenges, mm-hmm. with their disagreements with you. And and that's something I, you know, I talk about it a lot and how important it is to me. I still have a lot of doubt as as to whether I've I've truly created that environment or mm-hmm. or not. I I absolutely hope I have, mm-hmm. but it's, it's something It's probably that, a work in progress as well, I imagine. Yeah. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, where everything's everything progress, is but I think that one. That one in particular. Yes, I'm mm-hmm. constantly thinking of different ways. Okay, you know, I tried this. Is that working? I'm not sure. Let me try something else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that is. You know, it doesn't literally keep me up at night, but but the you know the, there is the proverbial kind of what keeps you up at night as a manager, and it and it, and it would be that. Mm-hmm. It would be am I am I doing enough to to create that kind of environment? Mm-hmm. So what's what's worked for me is first of all repeating that message 
in in any any anytime I get a microphone, including here, I, yeah. I talk about that. So people know anybody hearing me. Hopefully, some people on my team will eventually kind of listen to this. Um, but they know how important that is to me, and just it, it always helps to repeat that message. Um, the other thing I, I like to do, and I've been kind of doing this more of the last year or two, is anytime I kind of ask somebody on the team either to 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 do something like a, a different kind of work, maybe that they haven't done before. Mm-hmm. Um, or ask or ask for their feedback on something um, like how do you think what would you think if we did this or or how did you think about this presentation that we did I, I before I make the request I say something to the effect of I'm going to ask you something this is always true but I'm saying it for emphasis I want your honest honest thoughts there's no wrong answer whatsoever this is how I learn kind of really go into a long lead in knowing I, this is about me learning and figuring out how best I can help you and, and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And then I make the request. I was like, okay, uh, we haven't worked on a, a trademark issue together before. I have no idea if you're interested in it or, or not. Yeah. Here, here's what it would involve. Go through that request. And then at the end of it, say, okay, now that I've told you, does that sound like something you want to do or not? And I kind of used to stop there and, and everybody would always say, yeah, of course. And then I'd wonder, well, as long as everybody's saying, yeah, of course, do I know? Am I really getting through? Are they feeling comfortable? Mm-hmm. But what I've started doing is, is even kind of suggesting, um, suggesting negative answers for them. Mm. I'll say, you know, and just in case you have any doubt, here are some things that you might be thinking. You might be thinking, that sounds like the most boring thing I've ever heard. And I have no interest in doing that. <laughs> If that's your answer, that is absolutely fine. Or, mm-hmm. um, or if I ask them for feedback on it on an idea that I'm kind of noodling on, I, mm-hmm. I might say, you might think, Sean, that sounds like the worst idea that I've ever heard for for all these reasons. And that is that is absolutely fine. And actually, I would say I would love it if you told me that, mm-hmm. uh, because this is how I get better and really spend a lot of time kind of trying to make them feel as as comfortable as possible. And, and, and that has had, I feel more, more success, yes. uh, but still, still a work in progress. Yeah. Um, and then of course, the other thing is anytime I do get something like that, anytime somebody says, you know, I, I don't, I don't really have the bandwidth to handle that right now. Could you give it to somebody else? Or Sean, I kind of see what you're thinking on this idea, but I have a lot of concerns. Can we, can we try something else? I really give a lot of positive reinforcement when somebody does that. I will say, mm-hmm. thank you so much. And then just telling them how much, how it makes me feel good mm-hmm. to know that they have that kind of trust in me. And that's, that's kind of what I've, what I've been doing. And, you know, I, I just feel that creating that kind of environment is, is probably one of the most important things you could do as as a leader, because mm-hmm. if you don't have that trust, you'll you'll never know if you're if you're really a good leader yeah. or not. If people are being resentful or not, if people are really happy or not, you'll just you'll just mm-hmm. never know. If you're setting out to lead a legal team, you first of all need to build trust. Here are five ways to build trust in your team. One, encourage honesty and direct communication. Two. Create opportunities for creative collaboration. Three, empower your team to be self-organized. Four, make sure roles and responsibilities are clear. Five, make feedback part of the team culture. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great point, especially when say that the, the leader is in a more senior managerial role. I'm sure a lot of 
uh, people would be a bit hesitant maybe to give their their genuine uh, feedback or thoughts or say no also I think right. yeah that's a great point and how would you say that you've fostered that kind of two-way open communication like how can you how can you build that so, um, in addition to kind of those exercises that, that I mentioned and how mm-hmm. I try to phrase the request, I also try to be kind of open with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll share stories about how sometimes my boss asked me for input on something and I, and I really gave my, my honest thoughts and mm-hmm. how he, he really appreciated that. Or I might say that, look, there have been many times when I've said no to work or said that, hey, this this thing uh, doesn't interest me mm-hmm. at all. I'm happy to do it if you really need me to, but it is it is definitely not where my, where my interests are. Mm-hmm. I, and I think the, the more I do that, I think, and, and have that be kind of a more casual, kind of informal, people are joking kind of, kind of conversation, I, I feel that that has helped. And then the, the other thing I, I do is, is try to, Try to then, if, if I think it's a, an issue where I think particularly the indirect reports are just likely to blindly say yes to whatever I'm doing, then mm-hmm. I then I obviously kind of rely on my direct reports to kind of go behind me and say, "Hey, do you have any concerns with this?" Mm-hmm. Because no matter how uh, how how trusting an environment I try to create, I know they're they're always going to feel more comfortable with their with their uh, direct managers. I, I like to say that my um, you know, my, my indirect reports have the, have the blessing of having much better managers than than my direct reports because they're, <laughs> they're fantastic at, at what they do. Um, and and sometimes that, that helps as well. And we spoke about uh, how, for example, one aspect of it is you would even be, you know, you really want to support these, these people and you want to lead them in a way where they progress their careers, even if that means they end up leaving the company. Mm-hmm. Say, for example, someone is a little bit less uh, intrinsically motivated to lead and they don't necessarily get that buzz from from uh, helping people for now until they've unlearned the habit. Why would why would they still continue to so strongly uh, lead these people if it ri- at the risk of uh, their team um, leaving their team or their company? Um, I think that's a fantastic question, Steph. And I, I, I like to say that Look, even if you're the most selfish, self-centered person in the world, it is still in your best interest to really help the people that you are are leading mm-hmm. um, in many ways. In the in the most basic way, you know, that's uh, if you if you train the, those people better, they will be able to take more work off of your plate, which means uh, you either have less work to do yourself and you can go relax or you have more time to focus on really important matters and less, less caught up in, in all the day to day. So that's far and away the, uh, the, the biggest benefit, but other benefits are, I mean, people sometimes don't realize, and maybe it's not true in all environments, but I certainly think it's the case in, in most that as you get more senior, certainly within the, the legal profession. And I, and I think it's pretty universal you're, you're judged more not on, oh, did you really do a good job on this report or this contract or this presentation, but how is your team overall doing? Are they being productive? Mm-hmm. Um, because, because that's what's really important and that's, that's where you really show value. And if so, if you're, if you're interested in your own 
career and keep climbing up the ladder and have other opportunities, you need to show that you can you can manage a team well, that you can you can show that they add value. You want to make sure that you you don't have a big attrition problem where you have people who are motivated um, and and come to come to work with you. Uh, that's that's how you really show your value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And especially, I think you're not going to move mountains by yourself, are you? You're in a team, and it takes a team to to really uh, have a proper impact. And especially in this day and age of in-house legal, when more is being more is being expected, and especially out of the traditional kind of legal activities, I guess that would normally fall under the legal depart- department's remit. So. Yeah, you really need, do need to get everyone involved, get everyone rallying behind the same the same mission and going for that. So yeah, I think you're right. It would, uh, I mean, it would make you look good, wouldn't it? As a, as a leader, as a as a professional, if your team's delivering um, and thriving, Absolutely. yeah, completely yeah. agree. And do you have any examples of uh, from your own um, experience where you've seen people kind of you've supported and seen them? thriving whether it be in this company or if they've moved on as well yeah absolutely so so two of my 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 favorite kind of accomplishments kind of when i look back on my career what are, what am i most proud of mm-hmm. it's not you know the individual deals i've done or this or that it's um there was one person that um when i started at altasource 10 years ago he was uh, an intern he was still in law school and i think he had just started maybe six months or so before i joined and um, I kind of, I started working with him. He was really just working on technology contracts, nothing else. And um, I, I saw something in him. He was doing good work, but he was also really curious and wanted to learn. And so mm-hmm. I, I put in a lot of time to try to try to develop him, give him feedback. And we worked together more and more o- over the years. Eventually, um, you know, he, he graduated and then eventually started managing that team, then moved over and was actually supporting the businesses with me. And that was fantastic. And then now three, four years ago, I forget when, he got promoted to, to be a peer of mine. Now mm-hmm. heading up all our corporate governance has a really critical leadership position in the department, has the trust of the of the CEO, certainly the general counsel, interfaces with the board of directors. And just seeing that tremendous growth, I, it, it makes me really happy. And and uh, I, I don't mean for a second to take credit for, for any of his success, mm-hmm. um, but it has nonetheless been been rewarding to, to see, that, see mm-hmm. that growth. And then, you know, conversely, a, a similar story story with with somebody else just not too long ago maybe four or five years ago that I I just I kind of moved into a new role and so I was starting to work with her more and um, same kind of story I saw a lot of intrinsic motivation in her a lot of curiosity did great work spent a lot of time kind of trying to trying to take her even even further mm-hmm. um, had really high hopes that she she too was going to end up in a leadership position in the company mm-hmm. um, but then but then it was it had a different ending there she she decided she um, she wanted to leave the company and while I was disappointed uh, for myself, um, I was really happy for her. And when I talked to her about it and understood the role, it was opening up so many fantastic opportunities that we couldn't give her. And I and I still kind of pay attention to how she's doing in her career and, and chat about it from time to time. And and that's given me a, just a tremendous amount of satisfaction, even though she's 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 left and she's doing things elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that both of those things really, really make me tremendously happy to see that kind of growth. Yeah. And I can imagine that they feel as similar. Like it's always fantastic and it's always great and motivating. And yeah, it just feels great when someone's rooting for, for you from even, even 
now um, out with the company you're working in it's yeah nice to know that someone's uh fighting your corner as well I'd say absolutely yeah and I'd say I mean that that is another part of of leadership kind of going back to the first topic of mm-hmm. You know, you see so many posts on LinkedIn and things elsewhere about how, you know, nobody should ever feel bad about resigning. Your your boss doesn't care about you. Your company doesn't care about you. And while I certainly agree with that first point, nobody should ever feel bad about resigning. I, I think maybe another characteristic of leaders who are truly invested in your success are the ones who are still keeping in touch, still thinking of you after mm-hmm. you leave the company, still rooting for you, still there to be an advisor if you need it. Yeah. Um, and and that uh, that too is is really important. And that's something you don't know until you leave an organization and see like, well, who are the people who are who still kind mm-hmm. of uh, are checking in with me, still rooting for me? So I, I think that's another uh, that's another important thing as well. Yeah, yeah. I can certainly think from my own experience of managers I've had in the past or leaders, I suppose, now that I've experienced <laughs> the the aftermath of having left, yeah, that are still in touch and there to support me um, if I have any questions or yeah, just keep in touch as well. So yeah, I think Absolutely. fantastic point. And I guess if we're, you know, if we get a bit soppy about it, you know, we're, our careers are made up of all these stories and all these bits and pieces and the people that we meet along the way. It's not just about, you know, as you say, the deals that you've, you've closed and the contracts that you've signed. Um, so yeah, I guess you have to choose. Do you want your, your career story to be made up of numbers or the kind of the feelings and hopefully joy that you can get out of uh, certain aspects of it. So yeah, I think that's a great point. And again, I mean, to be clear, I I don't think there's anything wrong whatsoever for somebody if if when they look back at their career, they are thinking about the big deals that they closed or the, or the, Mm -hmm. or the problems they solved or anything like that. There's, there's nothing wrong Mm -hmm. about that. They can still be fantastic managers. Mm -hmm. Um, They can, they can still be fantastic leaders. I I don't Mm -hmm. think that that's inconsistent. It's just, I think one thing that has always helped me kind of be what I hope people feel is, is a leader and not just a manager is that I, you know, it, it, that part does come naturally to me that, that Mm -hmm. I get a lot more satisfaction out of seeing other people succeed and helping them grow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, amazing. I love it. (laughs) Um, and just before I I move on to, to a kind of uh, final point or kind of discussion point, um, are there any other kind of guiding principles to, to kind of fulfilling those boots of great leadership? Um, just don't want to miss anything. Um, yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. I would say definitely, definitely spend a lot of time, and this is maybe more tactical, like actionable advice. Mm-hmm. Definitely spend a lot of time trying to understand what everybody on your team or your peers, whoever you're trying to help, what their goals really are. Mm. I think a lot of time we assume that their goals must be what our goals are mm-hmm. or that their goals must be to, to get promoted on, on this track. That that's not necessarily everybody's goal. You gotta you gotta put in the time to to figure out what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not figure out to understand and encourage them to figure out what they want to do, and then you you kind of understand that with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may be a lot of work. That may be kind of reminding them to to think about it from time to time because maybe some people don't. That might be kind of presenting them options, saying in case you don't know here are three people who started where you started and, and look where they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, here are these other options. And and yes, there is a world outside this company. Here here are the other kind of careers yeah. that are out there and and think about it and whatever, and, and then commit to whatever that answer is, even if it's leaving the company. I firmly believe that, that you should 
help them get there. I, I like to kind of, I've thought about the example if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I, I really want to do international arbitration one day. It's like, okay, we don't have any international arbitration work. I, I really can't think uh, of a path here that would satisfy your, your, your desires. But why don't you go, I can introduce you to some people who do that. Why don't you talk to them, understand what transfer, what skills are important. Mm-hmm. Um, then let's talk about that, figure out a way to get you those kind of skills while you're here so that you can you can then move on. And you might think, you know, why in the world are you investing so much time mm-hmm. helping somebody leave you? Like, why would you do that? And and my answer is, I mean, there's this thing, it, it just makes me feel good, yeah. one. Um, but, but more kind of strategically, I found that when people are happy and motivated to do the work, they're, they're going to do much better work. They're going to be more satisfied. Um, they're going to constantly be pushing themselves to grow. And when you have that, okay, yes, maybe I'm helping this person leave the company in a year or two. But if I do that, that means for that next year or two, they're going to continue to be fantastic as opposed to having one eye out the door, one foot out the door the whole time, um, not really motivated at all. Um, and then there's always the hope. I mean, because it, it, it has happened that that they change their mind. Yeah. I mean, and, and they start doing all this. They start focusing on those transferable skills that you researched. Then they realize, oh, I actually like this. I'm I'm good where I am. I want I want yeah, to change paths yeah. and do something different. Mm-hmm. And so it's there's no question in my mind that it's it's worth that effort to, mm-hmm. to do that. When it comes to effective leadership, Forbes suggests these five basic principles. One, create a shared vision. Define and clarify the direction you want the team to go in and the process to follow to achieve this vision. Two, ensure alignment. A strong leader knows how to put the right people in the right places to support this vision. Three, create a positive culture. This means fostering an environment of trust, high morale and minimal drama. Four, communicate. It's on you to lay the foundations for open and positive communication. Five, be people-focused and customer-centric. A strong leader knows that teams support the customer, both internal and external, and then the customer will support the success of the team. And if they've been working on those skills, they can then apply that in the context with a slightly fresh pair of eyes, I suppose, in the context of your Absolutely. your legal team and your business. So I guess that's yeah. another added benefit um, there. Yeah. And especially yeah. I think it's important now in this day and age because the options that are available um, in the world of legal are so much more, there are so much more opportunities. It's a much vaster a playing field of different roles and possibilities than it was even mm-hmm. two, three, five, ten years ago. So I think, um, as you say, presenting what you can and showing the options will really help uh, people figure out what's the best best career path for them, but also broaden their horizons in terms of the skills and the knowledge that they mm-hmm. that they want to to absorb and learn and hopefully apply at least for a while um, in your business. So that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I guess lastly, to, to finish up on the topic of career changes and hiring and the likes, if you're in a leadership role, you're likely going to have to um, perhaps hire at some point. Um, so what traits would you look for in an in-house legal professional in this day and age? 
Um, yeah. What should other, yeah. why should Again, other leaders fantastic do? Fantastic question. Um, uh, you obviously have, have been doing podcasts a while and doing a great job because I love the questions that you're asking, oh. Steph. Oh, thank but you. <laughs> what, what I would say is, and this is something that I've changed and I've changed relatively recently. Up, up until a year ago, I used to give kind of the, the stock answer of, you know, you, you, at a baseline, you need to find somebody with the right experience to, to help because you, you want to have somebody who's going to come in and provide value on, on day one. And you don't want to make a bad hire and, and realize they don't know how to do the job that use. If you had asked, if we had this conversation a year, year and a half ago, that's what I would have said. But about a year and a half ago, we, we, we were recruiting for a role in kind of to focus on contracts Mm -hmm. and we were having tremendous difficulty finding somebody with the exact kind of experience that we were looking for, or even people who had a good amount of experience negotiating contracts generally who, who wanted to come, uh, come, come work here. And we would have some people in the door who, who met those requirements, but they just didn't seem kind of enthusiastic about the job or maybe, uh, it was clear that they didn't really understand what what they were what they were talking about, and and just we were just banging our heads up against the wall. And then mm-hmm. somebody came to me. One of my one of my kind of direct reports came to me and said, "I I know we we always want to find somebody with with this experience, but um, you know there's there's somebody that that I I got a referral uh, to. They they don't really have any contracts experience, but but." She seems really enthusiastic. She she's worked in in kind of the legal field for for about six months or a year. Um, I I think it's it's at, wor- at least worth having a conversation. And mm-hmm. I, was like, eh, I don't think it's going to work out, but sure. And you can probably guess where the story's going. <laughs> yeah. And um, the uh, you know I I was very impressed in the in the interview. She absolutely came across as somebody enthusiastic, wanted to learn. I still had my doubts, but I you know we had struggled for a long time uh, to find the role. So we said, okay, fine, let's give her an offer. And she has just turned out to be fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't say enough good things about somebody. I I should have been so so gifted to be able to to pick up the kind of stuff um as well as she has in mm-hmm. the in the first year or two of of me getting exposed to contracts and then the key thing is that e- even then beyond that she's picked up other things and and just has the fantastic attitude and um i'm not saying that that's unique to her we are fortunate to have lots of people on our team who have that right attitude mm-hmm. but what i what i realized is you know in some in some ways you know, having somebody who doesn't have experience um, applying for the role and seeming really excited about it, you already know that they are somebody who's not going to back down from a challenge, who wants to grow, that is probably worth at least strong consideration. Because if you just, you know, if you just had somebody who has been doing contracts for the last six years um, and never really done anything else, Mm -hmm. yeah, they might come in and do a good job on your contracts, but the chance of them kind of wanting to grow and do other things and take on a bigger role, I think is much smaller than somebody who who is already kind of demonstrating a track record and interest in, in doing lots of other things. Mm-hmm. So long way of answering your question, uh, the, the number one thing that I think you should look for is people who have a track record of learning new things, even if those new things don't directly relate to what you want them to do with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, far and away, I think that's the most important. And I would say, you know, the others, I don't think I'm going to have anything groundbreaking here. You probably mm-hmm. hear it all a lot. But the, the others are, um, you know, somebody who's really empathetic. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, that is so important. I, I think... 
for, for anybody, but yep. certainly for lawyers, certainly for people who are trying to resolve conflicts, certainly for people who are trying to resolve conflicts in an industry where so many people are adversarial, mm-hmm. just having somebody with that, with that mindset um, does, does wonders. And then I think the last thing is somebody who, who knows how to prioritize. Yes. Well. Especially um, in house. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That it's not, and it's not just a matter of what do I do first and what do I do next? But also, you know, what what deserves my A plus effort? What deserves my B effort? What probably can get by with my D effort just to make sure that I, I'm properly using my time? Mm-hmm. And that, look, nobody gets that perfect. Yeah. Um, I've, I've guessed wrong <laughs> many times uh, on that. But but somebody who's not afraid to to make those calls and and um, and get better at it, uh, that's, that's really important as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love um, somebody we had on the podcast previously um, was saying how on, on the topic of kind of prioritization uh, was around legal perfection is not business excellence. So I guess you need mm-hmm. to choose um, and work on prioritizing based on what's going to have the, the best impact for the legal team and the business sure. versus getting everything tip top shape uh, from yeah. a from a legal perspective as well. So yeah, couldn't agree more. I think that's fantastic. Okay. Well, thank you very much for joining us. I don't know, uh, do you have any final parting thoughts, advice, um, anything else you'd like to add? My, my, my standing advice is always really, really try to understand who you are and mm-hmm. what motivates you and what you enjoy. Because I, I feel that most things will fall into place mm-hmm. once you really understand that. Because mm-hmm. I think so many people just get caught up in, oh, what what should I be doing? Um, what Definitely. does success look like? What is my, what, you know, let me copy somebody else's leadership style. No, there is nothing like that. You've got to understand yourself and what works for you. Brilliant. I think that's a perfect uh, last piece of advice there. And I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. You're so right. And it's not to say that, you know, everyone has to be a leader. Some people don't want to do that. They want to stay a kind of individual contributor. Um, and that's perfectly okay too. So Absolutely. Yeah, as you say, follow, follow your interests, follow your passions um, and go from there, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Sean. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time and sharing all of your, your wonderful thoughts and um, experiences so far. And highly recommend people follow you on LinkedIn as well for all your other fantastic uh, shares on all different kinds of topics, but especially leadership. So thank you so much. Thank you. That's so kind of you. And, I, and I'm guessing everybody listening to this probably already follows you, but in case anybody <laughs> doesn't, you know, same, same compliment back to you. Absolutely. You're, you're just a wonderful person to, to follow. So oh. I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much.